On today's episode of 77 Minutes in Heaven, we're talking about Dennis Rodman and the one infamous month he spent with the team. Welcome to 77 Minutes in Heaven, a Dallas Mavericks podcast that's part of the Athletic Podcast Network. I'm Tim Cato. Uh, I'm, I'm the Athletic Mavericks beat writer. And we've got Dave Dufour and Saad Youssef both here with us. Dave, of course, you know him. But uh, Saad is our general assignment writer in uh, the Athletic Dallas. And he assisted me. Um, we, we both teamed up for this oral history of Dennis Rodman's last month in the league, which happened to be in Dallas. And uh, I, I think it's fascinating. And I think it's, it's definitely worth something uh, diving further into. Dave, Saad, how are you both? Doing great. I'm doing well. Yeah, yeah. I don't know how it is up in Dallas, but in San Antonio, it's pretty humid. So it's been fairly miserable when I've been outside. But uh, outside of that, not bad. I don't. I don't know if I've uh, left my apartment today, so I cannot cannot tell you. You um, got to get out and take a walk. So, how did you guys come up with this idea? I mean, obviously, the last dance. You know, everyone's trying to uh, kind of make tie-in content, but in particular, I guess, was Rodman like your first choice for something to it, write about? It had nothing to do with Last Dance, right, Sod? No, it was just, uh, I remember that th- this was uh, on Twitter. I just put out a little poll thing about, you know, what readers want to read about. And uh, and I just had this idea and I and texted Tim about it. And, and I certainly did not expect it to be what it became. I think Tim kind of, you know, uh, I, I just thought that maybe we would do a story or maybe a short oral history type thing and then tim kind of uh once once i ran it by tim he kind of uh took it and blew it up a little bit yeah i think i mean it must have been the week before the last dance premiered and once that happened it was very clear oh wow we have a you know topical reason to dive into this rodman is you know in the conversations that we're having all of this stuff so so it made so much sense at that point and that's when we really got it moving uh but but yeah it was it was kind of coincidental for for this Rodman story to be told the you know as Rodman stories are being told you know about his his past stops in Chicago yeah um the the funny thing is like I barely remember this like I I do remember that it happened but I don't remember anything that happened during it I completely forgot about the one anecdote that you guys talked about with him sitting down in the middle of the lane just erased from my memory it's it's that that was the one that I knew I had to focus in on because honestly, that's that's what it kept coming back to in the interviews. It, it wasn't one of my initial questions, I don't think. It wasn't one that I was, oh, I have to ask them about this. But, you know, I go through the first three interviews and it comes up each time. And I'm like, you know, this is, I think, the the one defining antic that that really sticks out to people. And so that's that's kind of how I latched onto that as as being, you know, such an important, uh, you know, one to one to focus on. It really felt like the the whole story you know, when you read it over at theathletic.com, when you go through it, it feels like this could have been set in the 70s and, and about an ABA team <laughs> because it's just so out of left field. You get a new owner looking to make a splash. They sign, uh, you know, an older guy. I mean, he was what, 38, right? When he, when he did this? 38, yeah. Yeah. So 38 year old guy uh, who had won three titles, had a big name, splashy personality. I mean, this is totally a uh, like a an old ABA throwback. 
Yeah. I mean, I think the story really does start with Mark Cuban buying the team. I, I told you that at one point, Saad, I, I think, right? How how deep into the reporting were we at that point where I was like, this has to start with Cuban? Because of course it starts with Cuban. This is his first, you know, huge, splashy, now we know Cuban type move that that he, you know, love he loves doing this type of stuff and is very smart about the the marketing aspect and understanding, you know, the, the this, all of it. But I, I I swear, you know, I think I came to you pretty early on, Saad, and was like, yeah, we got to start with Cuban. Yeah, d- definitely. And I mean, you know, you know that it does start with Cuban because we also have 20 years of then, you know, follow up history on that. And look, we did all these interviews and almost everybody was like, yeah, there was, this was somewhat of a PR move. The only person that said that, you know, this was to win on the court was Cuban, which is understandable given his position as a current owner and stuff. But but everyone else was kind of even even Sarah Melton, you know, the PR the the PR um, head who retired last year. Um, she said that, you know, this was just kind of laying the groundwork of what, what was to come. I mean, we're not that far removed from just a couple years ago, Cuban spending a second round pick on an Indian player just so, you know, he could expand the audience into a whole different country and, and, and things like that. So Cuban has made these moves repeatedly all the way up until just you know recently as well cuban cuban told me and when when i talked to him uh he claimed that he didn't understand how famous rodman would be because he didn't really i I think his quote was something about oh yeah i don't know basketball i didn't know basketball i i didn't get how big his appeal was and that may be true to an extent but i as as everybody in the piece pointed out, and I, I felt like this was a really fair thing to do, especially in an oral history format, you know, if, if other people believe it was a PR move and, and over and over again, people said that's what it was. Uh, maybe not purely. I, I do think that there is basketball reasons involved, but I, I think there was an understanding that bringing Rodman to the Mavericks, uh, you know, would bring eyes and it would bring attention and media and, and headlines. And quite frankly, it would probably bring controversy. But, you know, that's not the worst thing for for a team that you know, is is trying, you know, to to take this stuff up. And I think it's also worth noting that the one thing about Cuban that that I do admire or, or respect is that he he was aware that he could raise the conversation about the team without the conversation being about his young stars uh, before they were ready for that. And he mentioned to me how, you know, as long as he was the center of attention, it accomplished the goal of the conversation being about the Mavericks, which which is what he wanted. But but it also accomplished that, that, you know, it wasn't a hyper focus on Dirk, you know, who was this 20 year old still adapting to America um, or Steve Nash, you know, who who was, you know, struggling in his own right. And, and early in his Mavericks tenure actually got booed uh, because he wasn't living up to expectations. And so the, the Cuban being able to do that, being able to make himself the center of attention and in this instance, you know, make Rodman make make this celebrity superstar basketball player. Also, the center of attention. Um, I, I think. I think. I, I think. I understand all of that, and I, I think that's a, a, you know, commendable way to kind of look at the team and, and look at, you know, the, the way that he, uh, you know, chose to go about his business, especially in those early years as those players were budding. Well, I mean, it is a business, right? You want to sell tickets, so you know, signing Dennis Rodman. If you're a bad basketball team, as a matter of fact, if teams weren't so hell bent on tanking now. They might just go full in on signing guys that are washed up, but that have name recognition. What's Gilbert I mean, I Arenas it, up to? Right. I mean, Meta you know, think piece. about it. <laughs> right. Like, you know, Gilbert Arenas might win you too many games. 
You right. know, like he might win you a game or two when you're trying to lose. So like there is that, but maybe you could use them like the whatever the opposite of a human victory cigar. Like when you're getting blown out, all right, throw Gilbert Arenas out there and you know, make people happy. So he might have been like way ahead of his time while also rehashing the old ABA stuff. Although I will say that I think Rodman was even more famous than any comparison we could make. Oh, to hell it. yeah. Right, that's Just what I was going to say too. Yeah, that's that's something that came up over and over again. It's almost it's almost like the Carmelo situation, only Carmelo's still pretty good. Right. And and it's a and lot not like nearly as much of a, a like at least on like let's say from a stature standpoint, um, not not necessarily from a, a basketball play or personality or anything else. Just Carmelo Anthony, maybe the sub, same level of famous. I don't want anyone to think I'm saying Carmelo is a you know a, a hard person to deal with. But so Dennis Rodman, he only played 12 games, and I was shocked when I was reading this. Again, I couldn't recall this time, so I went and looked at his stats. You guys realize he averaged 14 rebounds a game. Yeah, and did you know I that do. that's the uh, that's the Mavericks all time te- uh, leader in rebounds per game to this day? He's still the he he still holds that title. I believe Tyson oh, Chandler okay. is second at thirteen point seven. Yeah, so it's really Tyson Chandler then because he didn't play <laughs> right. enough games. Twelve games, just not nearly enough. But you know, it, it is you know they had uh, Don Nelson as the coach and Dennis Rodman. I mean, this is like give me this documentary. <laughs> I'm not even kidding. You had young Dirk, young Nash, uh, you know, young Michael Finley and Dennis Rodman for two weeks. That's incredible. And also Cuban just bought the team. Man, I feel like you guys could have gone deeper on this. Oh, we could have. We, we absolutely. I feel like I could have reported this story for another three weeks, four weeks, two months. I, I could have had follow up calls with people that I talked to early on. Uh, to talk more about like the new information that I was finding out. There's a lot more we could have done with this. Um, but, you know, at some point you got to make business decisions and, uh, you know, edit- editors are the ones to be like, all right, do we have a story here? Do we have a good story here? And I do feel like we got to a point with our reporting that I felt really confident with what we had. But if if we wanted to blow this out even more, if, if we were actually making, say, a documentary about it, there is absolutely more that could be, you know, di- uh, you know, investigated and, and talked about and, and, you know, uh, you know, more people that could have been talked to, uh, you know, we talked to 13 people and that was with, I think, five players declining, including Dirk, Steve and Finley. And that was with several coaches declining and uh, Donnie Nelson wouldn't wouldn't talk for it. Um, and, and you know, he was a, he was an assistant coach at, at the time. Uh, Don Nelson, Nelly, it would have been amazing to get Nelly. But but my understanding is that Pretty much the only way that you're going to get a media interview with him is is fly out to his uh, his weed farm in Hawaii. And uh, not not only is that possibly not even going to be approved like last year, like obviously it's it's not exactly practical now. So. Um, so, yeah, that, that those were the downsides. But but uh, it's it's uh, I, I still feel, you know, it was it was still fascinating. You know, 13 interviews. It didn't. Sounds like you're just making excuses, Tim. So, Saad, <laughs> all right, Saad, who who was the. Your your favorite person to interview, um, and who had the best stories that didn't make it into the piece? Um, well, I'll I'll go with favorite interview. My favorite interview was definitely Sarah Melton because uh, she she had been hired right out of college as a PR intern in October of 1999. So here you have this uh th- this little intern coming out of college um out of Indiana, which by the way is Mark Cuban's alma mater, and um she's coming out of college in 1999. 
And for like three or four months, she has like the most mundane, boring franchise in the NBA throughout the 90s. And then all of a sudden, January hits her 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 fourth month of her internship and it just all hits the fan. I mean, there's a new owner in town. There's Dennis Rodman and she's from Fort Wayne, which is uh, which is, uh, you know, Pistons country. And so she was a Pistons fan growing up and she loved Dennis Rodman. And so she had all these stories about, you know, uh, a, a little things that she had, little moments that she had with Dennis, where Dennis was super shy and quiet, but, you know, little moments like offering him an Altoid at the airport. And and uh, my favorite one that I, I, I don't think made it in there was, um, you know, it, it kind of showed Dennis's want to win in basketball, but also just this kind of awkwardness. One time they were playing in Toronto and um, and he gets I forgot who I think he, he was uh, talking to the PR director at the time. And he just asked where Sean Bradley is. Um, and the PR director was like, well, Sean's not on this trip. He's hurt. And Dennis just basically stares a wall into him and just walks away. Doesn't say another word. Doesn't say anything. And just walks away. And uh, and Sarah was like, uh, yeah, everyone was just kind of frozen there, scared of what like what was going to happen next. But um, but yeah, so Dennis, you know, that that was my probably my favorite interview throughout this for me was uh, just Wait. hearing all that. Saad, I actually wanted to ask you about that off air, you know, just like just in general, like like nothing to do with the podcast. I'm genuinely interested. I read that story. I didn't conduct that interview. I, I read it in text. Um, but obviously, when you do an interview, there is sometimes more subtext that you can glean. What what did you did? Did you, did you understand that there was, you know, what what was the subtext there that, that you did understand? Was was it a like what was Rodman asking about? Why? Why was he was he concerned? Was he? You know, did did you were you able to pick up on on why? Uh, you know what what the what the moral I guess of that that little anecdote was? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So she kind of uh, peeled it out, and she was like, you know, it was because he wanted to know if he was if if Rodman was going to have Brad, Bradley down down low to bang with him in that game, and uh, and so he wanted to make sure that that like you know hit, as a low post player like that guy was going to be there. And uh, I, he was disappointed that Bradley wasn't going to be there, and so that's kind of why he uh, he he stared at them like that. But yeah, that that that's why. Oh, that's so why this was this was yeah. this was before Rodman was on the Mavericks. No, no, no. Okay, okay, okay. Tim, what about you? Well, what who was your favorite interview for this piece in particular? You know, I actually loved Bruno Sundov. Uh, I hope I'm saying that correctly. I'm not. Haven't brushed up on my Croatian recently. Uh, but he's a seven three center was was in the league for you know a few years, but had a very very long international basketball career. And I forget how I even reached out to him. I think I think I had his email, and he was so eager and and willing to do this interview and and so interested and you know just had such a such a uh, vivid re- recollection. Um, it's funny he actually uh, he he misremembered some things like like how long the the time period was. He was thinking it was like three months. Uh, but but he also had like a very vivid memory about other things that I could tell, like, like, you know, I, I could tell that he was still able to even visualize these moments. And the funniest thing that that just it didn't fit in any way in the story. But he saw Dennis Rodman in like 2012 and it was at a all star game. And I, I believe that the Turkish League had an all star game and they invited Dennis Rodman just to be like a VIP mm-hmm. and just to like, I don't know, maybe he was going to grade like the dunk competition or something like that. And he was going to host some, some tra- uh, basketball camps. And, you know, so it was one of those situations where they, they just wanted to raise the profile of their game. And I mean, 
this is I'm not even addressing the fact that Dennis Rodman offered or, you know, agreed to go to Turkey just for an all star game. So there's a lot there's a lot here. But the, the, the thing that struck me is that they, they put Rodman in, apparently in a lazy boy on like the half court line and he just watched the game and they, you know, before it starts, they bring him the microphone. They asked him, do you have anything to say? Rodman takes the microphone and then just hands it back. He, and, and, and the, the PA guy is like, well, I guess he didn't have anything to say, you know, which, which that, that is, that is just inherently funny. And then, um, you know, Bruno keeps, keeps, keeps looking at him and, you know, I, I think makes eye contact once or twice throughout the game. Uh, and he's wondering, this is 12 years after their teammates and their teammates for one month. And, you know, like, like, uh, like Saad mentioned, uh, Rodman was so reserved that he didn't really talk to any of the players, like any of his teammates uh, during that month. He, he was very uncomfortable opening up and, and getting close to people at that point is, is the way it was described to me. So Bruno didn't really have any interaction with him, but, you know, they, they were in the same locker rooms together and, and you know, at the at the same practices. And Bruno, you know, he wants to walk up to him and, and see if see if he remembers him. But there's so many Americans playing in this all-star game that they kind of crowd around him when, when the game's over. And uh, Bruno just never sees his chance. You know, I, I think I think we've all been there in a party setting and, and we're thinking about approaching someone. But, you know, he's this person's engaged with one person and then someone else and then someone else. And Bruno said he waited about 15 minutes and uh, he, he ended up dipping. But uh, he I, I asked him if he thought uh Dennis would remember him and he and he said probably not but uh it's he he really didn't know and it would have it would have been really interesting to, to to see what would have actually happened if he had approached him but i i thought just the absurdity of that entire story the lazy boy the the turkish all-star game the you know just not saying anything when you get handed the microphone oh man not even like a i love slovenia or sorry slovenia is on my mind because of luka as as always um, I love Croatia or I love Turkey, you know, or whatever it is. Um, nothing. So I thought I thought that was just a hilarious anecdote. And, you know, it it, it was too long and, and wasn't quite pointy enough to to make it into the piece. But I, I was very much amused by it. I mean, it's kind of like Dennis Rodman in a nutshell, right? <laughs> right? Like, yeah, it, it, it truly story. is. <laughs> it's like, tell me about Dennis Rodman. Let me tell you this one story about the time I ran into him sort of at a Turkish all-star game. Right. Like, oh, yeah, of course. The only uh, the the only thing that would have been more on the nose is like, yeah, you know, I saw him on a flight to North Korea. (laughs) It is so symbolic. The the more you say it, like, I I think I think there's no way it can make it in the piece just because I couldn't simplify it. It it was it was too long of a story to kind of cut down and and put in the piece. The guy is fascinating. So symbolic of, yeah. of what it is. I agree. He's incredibly fascinating, no no matter what other people may say. I mean, there was a point in time, you know, a few weeks ago where we didn't know if the leader of North Korea was still alive or not. And that and there's like a 50 percent chance Dennis Rodman actually did know. <laughs> so, yeah, um, Saad, let's say you were going to do another one of these. What would be your target? What's the most interesting oral history left undone that you'd be interested in, in attacking next? Oh man, that's a good question. I think, uh, you know, if you're asking about like in general or just like within my, yeah, in general, anything. Oh, um, I would love to do something on someone like Tim Duncan. See, I, I'm kind of one of these people that like with Tim Duncan, he's a guy that's been so quiet and so under the radar for so long. I would love to talk to 15 people around him 
and kind of get some of those behind the scenes and things like that. Because in oral history, again, you don't need to talk to the actual subject that that's being done on. So, uh, you know, if Tim Duncan was part of that story, I think it would, uh, I, I think it wouldn't be as interesting, but to hear from his teammates who spent road trips with him and things like that, he's a guy who, you know, as we saw with the last dance with Jordan, it's like the less access and the less that you put out there, the more interest you have as time goes on, um, in yourself. And so I think there's so little out there about Tim Duncan. I would love to know, you know, talk to the trainer about what happened in the moments after Joey Crawford ejected him from the game. And, you know, just moments like that, I would love to know uh, more about Tim Duncan. So I think he'd be my, he'd be my guy I would be interested in. Tim, what are you working on next, buddy? <laughs> I don't I don't get the same oral history question. I mean, do you have wait, do you have another oral history that, that you really want to work on? Because if so, I'm dying to know now. Uh, we we do have a couple in progress, but I, I will. Oh I will well, don't leave those don't put unsaid. those out. But what what's coming next on the athletic? I'm I'm excited to participate in in five years in uh, the oral history of how 77 minutes in heaven became uh, established its cult following. <laughs> yeah, actually, I might I might be bitchy and, and decline and be like, oh no, yeah, no, perfect. You're not going to do it right. Perfect. Yeah, and yeah, and you what know. you're going to get is you're going to get me as MJ on the documentary. <laughs> Basically talking about how I carried Tim Cato's ass for, oh, man. for months. <laughs> I I just want to be Luke Longley. There, well, that's a good that's a good role. You get a bunch of rings and <laughs> decent amount of money. Uh, what what's what are you putting out next on the Athletic? We've got a letter from 2030 that's supposed to run later this week. Nice. I think I think that's 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 a confirmed thing that has been written and, and will definitely run. How so, many uh, championships are you predicting? Uh. F- Oh man, should I spoil this? No, oh, we can do don't. it. Don't pod. No, no, don't it's spoil just, it. So it's there's a lot of jokes in there, but after winning five championships in a row, the Mavericks tragically had to let Luca and Kristaps walk so they could save cap space for the following free agency. So <laughs> that is that is one of many jokes. That's too close uh, to home. <laughs> it's a uh, it's a little mean, but I mean it's what they it's what they did. Um, it's 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 their mo. Uh, no, I mean it's it's a it's a very tongue in cheek, uh, fun interview and and or fun fun uh fun project that I that I did a couple of weeks ago and we're only getting just now getting around to running, but you know it's just it's just something different I did, but I, I think I think it'll be worth reading and also link of course it's worth reading that Dennis Rodman oral history. Um, it's uh it's it's long and incomprehensive and I think that it flows really well. So if if you if you get through you know you you start on the first section i think you're gonna kind of end up you know just going through the whole thing real quick because i, I think it's that type of story that you know just kind of moves along uh piece by piece and that's what that's what we tried to do so with all that said thank you sod thank you dave um thank you listeners readers all of those people anyone who cares about basketball thank you even though many people will not hear the only person that, that shouldn't get a thank you is whoever declined allowing dennis rodman to have the number 69 no thank you (laughs) Uh, we will be back next week talking about something we don't know yet but we'll be sure to find out 